Ukraine accuses Russia of destroying a major dam, endangering thousands of lives and a nuclear power plant. The PGA Tour makes a deal with the Saudi-owned Live Tour. And Nike finds a new way to celebrate pride. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com slash Ben. So it's pretty clear that everybody lies during a war, but it is unclear exactly who is telling the truth during a war. So when you look at what's happening in Ukraine right now, there are a slew of headlines that are coming out all the time about Russian atrocities against Ukraine. A huge number of those are true, but Russia is also claiming Ukrainian atrocities against Russians. And the latest atrocity that is claimed by the Russians against the Ukrainians and the Ukrainians against the Russians is the blowing up of a massive dam. This is in Mykolaiv, Ukraine. According to the Wall Street Journal, a major dam and power station in a Russian-occupied part of Ukraine were destroyed on Tuesday, narrowing Ukraine's options for a planned counteroffensive in the south by unleashing a torrent of water that caused serious flooding. Now, here's the thing. It's very unclear who blew up this dam, and it is a massive dam. I mean, the, the film of the dam being blown up is pretty astonishing. You can see it's flooding pretty much all the outlying areas. The Ukrainians are saying that it was Russia and that the goal of the Russians blowing up a dam that is actually in territory that they currently control is to force the closure of a Ukrainian counteroffensive that was likely to take place, that essentially you flood the area so the Ukrainians cannot attack the area. Ukraine says that it forced the evacuation of thousands from dozens of towns and villages on the Dnipro River and could create an aquatic buffer zone for Russian forces on the southeastern bank. Meanwhile, Russia is accusing Kiev of sabotaging the dam, saying, why in the world would we blow up a dam that is largely flooding areas that we currently control, including the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant? German Chancellor Olaf Scholz said in a televised interview, all things considered, one must naturally assume this was an aggression perpetrated by the Russian side in order to stop Ukraine's offensive aimed at liberating its own land. The destruction of the dam said the Ukrainians could win Russia time to reconfigure its defenses while at the same time depriving Ukraine of some options for its expected counteroffensive. Russia presumably could then redeploy forces into this particular area. But here's the thing. Military analysts had already seen a Ukrainian assault across the river as an unlikely option, given the difficulty and likely cost of such an operation, as well as Ukraine's lack of amphibious capabilities. There is an upside for Ukraine, which is the flooding could wash away fortifications and minefields put up by Russian forces in the area. It could again, in sort of the worldview, make Russia the creator of all atrocities. The dam had already suffered damage in October when sections of it and sluice gates were destroyed as Russian forces sought to retreat from Kherson amid an ultimately successful Ukrainian offensive. Right now, the United States says that they are withholding judgment. John Kirby said, we're still trying to assess what exactly happened here. The Russians had illegally taken over that dam in the reservoir many months ago. They were occupying it while it was being destroyed. So again, if they were occupying it and controlling it, why would they destroy it? A reporter did ask John Kirby, the National Security Council spokesperson, this question, and he didn't have an amazing answer. Does it seem believable to you that Russia would destroy a dam and flood ethnic Russian villages and cut off the water supply to uh, Crimea? I mean, that doesn't seem logical. It seems about a as logical as blowing up one's own pipeline, doesn't it? We've come to no conclusions on this. We're working with the Ukrainians. We'll try to get as much information as we can. Okay, so he's withholding judgment, but you would imagine that the United States is going to come pretty quickly to the conclusion that it must have been the Russians. But it's clearly not obviously the Russians. Again, there's some evidence suggesting that maybe it was the Russians, and then there's some evidence suggesting that maybe it was the Ukrainians. Plus, there's a certain problem here with regard to the nuclear facility that is in the nearby area. The destruction, according to the Wall Street Journal, could affect the water supply 
to that nuclear power plant, which relies on the reservoir to cool its reactors, according to experts. A spokesman for Ukraine's state nuclear energy company said water levels in the Chakhova reservoir that supplied water to the facility were rapidly decreasing. They said that right now the levels inside the plant's cooling pond were sufficient to prevent a nuclear meltdown. But again, it is totally unclear who is doing what. And this raises a serious problem in terms of the credibility of the West. Normally, you would want to say, well, you know, we'll let the intelligence sources come to their conclusions. We'll let the American government come to its conclusion. We'll let the EU come to their conclusions. And then who are you going to believe? The United States and the EU or the Russians? That would normally be what you would do. But there is a problem. A precedent has been set here that the entire West will apparently lie about things that they clearly knew were caused by the Ukrainians in order to shield the Ukrainians from blowback. Now, again, it's a war. In a war, when there are two sides, everybody has an interest in lying. You know, that does happen all the time. The Russians lie, the Ukrainians lie. Lying is just part of war propaganda. It's happened since literally the beginning of war. With that said, the United States is a democracy. The citizens are entitled to actually hear the truth about what is going on in this war. The reason that I think so many people doubt accounts from the West, from Ukraine, is because of things like the attack on the Nord Stream pipeline. So you will recall that the United States quickly came to the conclusion that the Russians had bombed their own pipeline, which, of course, made no sense at all because the Russians could just, you know, turn off the spigot. Well, it turns out that not only did the United States come to the wrong conclusion on that, they knew they were coming to the wrong conclusion, according to the Washington Post. Three months before saboteurs bombed the Nord Stream natural gas pipeline, the Biden administration learned from a close ally that the Ukrainian military had planned a covert attack on the undersea network using a small team of divers who reported directly to the commander-in-chief of the Ukrainian armed forces. So first they claimed it was the Russians, then they claimed it was some sort of Ukrainian splinter group. And now it turns out that months before the actual attack on Nord Stream, the Ukrainian military from the top levels was planning an attack on the Nord Stream pipeline and the United States knew about it. Details about the plan, which have not been previously reported, were collected by a European intelligence service and shared with the CIA in June of 2022. They provide some of the most specific evidence to date linking the government of Ukraine to the eventual attack in the Baltic Sea, which U.S. and Western officials have called a brazen, dangerous act of sabotage on Europe's energy infrastructure. The European intelligence report was shared on Discord, allegedly by Air National Guard member Jack Teixeira and the Washington Post obtained a copy from one of Teixeira's online friends. Which, again, leads to the question is whether the United States knew all along that this was, in fact, the Ukrainians and then lied about it in order to jack up support for the Ukraine war by blaming the Russians for something the Ukrainians clearly did. In fact, John Kirby was asked specifically about the Nord Stream pipeline and this report. We'll get to his response in just one moment first. I have to talk to you about Daily Wire's most trusted privacy partner and the premier sponsor of this show, ExpressVPN. Did you notice that big tech companies today are masquerading as privacy companies? Just fix those privacy settings, turn off app tracking, you're all good, right? Uh, not really. Big tech literally feeds on your information. They sell off your data. They collect it, they sell it, this is how they make their money. To protect myself against big tech's prying eyes and, you know, the backdoor to governments that they very often provide, I use ExpressVPN. When you use the ExpressVPN app on your computer or phone, you're hiding your unique IP address. Websites can't use that address to find out your real location or track what you do online. On top of that, ExpressVPN encrypts and reroutes 100% of your online activity so your internet provider, Wi-Fi admin, and hackers can't see it. The best part is how easy it is to use. It takes just one click to protect all of your devices. One ExpressVPN subscription covers up to five devices at the same time so you can protect your entire family as well. So today's the day. Get the VPN. I trust to protect my own online privacy when big tech is knocking at my door. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash Ben. My listeners will get an extra three months for free. Expressvpn.com slash Ben. Folks, what does everyone do when shopping online? Well, you jump to the reviews and you see what customers actually think. 
Well, Bull & Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, 96% said Bull & Branch sheets get softer with every single wash. Bull & Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable. Bull & Branch sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bull & Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. We love our Bull & Branch product. In fact, when I'm on the road, I actually travel with their cable knit throw blanket. It is that good. Their product is just awesome. After a long day, nothing feels better than a restful night's sleep in the softest, most luxurious sheets. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull & Branch. Get 15% off your very first order when you use code BEN at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull & Branch, spelled B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code BEN. Exclusions apply. See site for details, bullandbranch.com. So John Kirby yesterday was asked about the Nord Stream report, about the fact the United States apparently knew three months in advance of the Nord Stream attack that it was the Ukrainians planning an attack on Nord Stream. And then the attack happens and the United States and the entire West blame the Russians. Here is John Kirby trying to run away from that. Is the U.S. actively investigating? No. Who did it? Why not? There are three European countries uh, that have uh, 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 embarked on independent investigations of this. Um, and we're comfortable in their ability uh, to take a hard look at this and to come up with conclusions. Weird, because the United States will investigate just about anything. In fact, they say that they're going to look into who blew up this Russian dam, Russian-controlled dam. It, all of this undermines the credibility of the war effort, truly. I think that the mistake that so many national security officials make is they treat everything as classified and secret. And then when it turns out they were lying to people, people are like, well, maybe you're lying about the whole thing. Maybe you're lying about the whole thing. Maybe it turns out that you have some ulterior motives for wanting to support Ukraine in the way that you do. So if you want to undermine the war effort, they're doing an amazing job of doing it. You can't blame people for looking at the narratives that are being spun out by the Biden White House or by the EU or by the Ukrainian government, for that matter, and then say, well, you know, I, I have my doubts. Again, literally all the things that they said five years ago were true about Ukraine, they now say are no longer true. The New York Times, as we discussed yesterday, ran an entire piece soft-peddling Nazism in the Ukrainian armed forces in the Azov Battalion. Well, five years ago, they were writing articles about anti-Semitism in the Azov Battalion. Like five years ago, it was Joe Biden himself who was out there talking about corruption inside Ukraine and how it needed to be cleaned up. Now we're supposed to believe that Ukraine is clean as the driven day. Now, the, the, the thing about all of this is that none of that is necessary. It's an assumption that people are absolute morons and that you can't just tell them the truth. And that assumption leads people to a sense of expected moral clarity from government that they are not supposed to receive and that they actually should not trust in. The truth is that foreign policy, international relations, it's about power. It's about interests. It is not generally about the, solely, about the sole question of morality. Morality lurks in the background, of course. You want to support the side that you think is morally better than the other side. But that's usually a comparative problem. It's very rare that you're going to support somebody who is absolutely wonderful against somebody who's absolutely evil. That is a rarity. As soon as a little bit of nuance comes in, then you're going to have to revert to the reality, which is that power politics matters. As I've said all along, the justification for the Russia war and the Ukrainian war against Russia, on Ukraine's part, it was a defensive war. But the reason the United States is involved in Ukraine is not because the Ukrainians are so unbelievably wonderful and the, and the Russians are so unbelievably evil or anything like that. It's because it is in America's interest to prevent Russians from invading surrounding countries and gathering resources to themselves they can then weaponize against the West. That is the actual purpose, if you're talking just solely in terms of American interests. 
I think most Americans can understand that. That also means that when you're looking for an off-ramp in places like Ukraine, you determine as an American, what are the interests that we have achieved and what are the further interests that we hope to achieve and how do we hope to achieve those interests? None of those questions are being asked right now because we are supposed to believe in this moral binary and we're supposed to, and in order to prop up the pure moral binary, the administration will clearly lie about things like Nord Stream. And then when a natural atrocity happens, like blowing up a dam and flooding villagers, thousands of villagers, and putting a nuclear power plant in danger, then who are you supposed to trust on that? And the answer is, you have no idea. Again, lies generally lead to confusion, and that confusion actually undermines the point that many of our elites are trying to make. Okay, meanwhile, the other big controversy of the day in terms of international relations that the PGA Tour has demonstrated in like fashion that power matters and money matters. According to the Wall Street Journal, the PGA Tour and Live Golf, that is the Saudi-backed upstart that sent the industry into chaos when it teed off last year, have now agreed to a stunning merger that ends the divide that has dominated the sport for the last year. The deal weds the Saudi money and the PGA Tour name and connects after months of bruising litigation and sharply traded accusations. It consolidates the biggest assets in professional golf. The same Saudi gushers that have funded Live will now be pooled with the PGA Tour's existing revenue streams, giving the combined entity vast new resources for unnamed future investments. It effectively makes the Saudis investors in U.S. golf's legacy powerhouse, a move that carries risk for the PGA Tour because they've spent the last year yelling about the moral evil of Live existing. So basically what happened is that the PGA Tour was paying the golfers a certain amount of money. Live came along and they said, uh, and this is the Saudi royal family. They came along and said, we'd like to get into the golfing business. We like golf and we think a lot of these golfers are underpaid. So we're going to offer them more money. And then the PGA Tour yelled at those golfers and said, wow, you got, I can't believe you guys are so venal that you're so greedy taking Saudi money. How dare you? In fact, here is a flashback of the PGA Tour commissioner, Jay Monahan, ripping Live Golf and suggesting that the golfers who are now taking money from Live Golf were somehow complicit in 9-11 or some such nonsense. 9-11 families united sent a letter to the representatives of Phil, Dustin, Bryson, Reed, and others, quote, expressing their outrage towards the golfers for participating in the new league and accusing them of sports washing and betraying the United States, end quote. That's gotten a lot of steam over the last 24 hours. That story first reported again in the New York Post. How much did you talk to your players about the possible ramifications if they sign on with the new league? Well, I talked to players. I've talked at a player meeting, and I've, and I've talked to a number of players uh, individually uh, for a long period of time. And I think you'd have to be living under a rock to not know that there are significant implications. So super bad. You took you're, you're a big golfer and you took a lot more money. Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka. That if you, if you actually went to live golf because they were paying you more money, this made you complicit in moral evil. Remember, Phil Mickelson was ripped up and down for taking live tour money. And it was the PGA that was leading that charge. Not because they were so morally pure of the PGA Tour, but because the PGA Tour wanted all of those golfers to come and golf for them for less money. Well, now they've decided that money talks because in the end, folks, follow the money and follow the power. Power and money are usually the motivations for major actions, whether that is corporate or whether that is governmental. It is very rarely only a moral question. Now, that doesn't mean that moral questions don't come into play. It doesn't mean that people don't try to wed their morality to power and, and money. They do. But it does mean that when those two things come into conflict, very often the money wins or the power wins. And that is particularly the case when it comes to the PGA Tour and Live Golf. Again, just an example of how money walks. We'll get to that in one moment. First, in a world filled with uncertainties, it is crucial to be ready for whatever comes your way, whether we're talking about a natural disaster or a sudden emergency, like a hurricane, unforeseen circumstances. 
It's just good to have a reliable food storage system on hand. Right now, My Patriot Supply is knocking 200 bucks off their popular three-month energy food kit to help you start growing your supply. Go to preparewithben.com, grab the special price before it ends. Your three-month emergency food kit provides over 2,000 calories every day for optimal strength and energy in stressful situations. The nice thing about this, you buy it, you put it in your closet, you forget about it, and then when an emergency strikes, you're ready. Enjoy a wide variety of My Patriot Supply food from buttermilk pancakes and chicken alfredo to rice pudding. Their meals have you covered for every part of the day. My staff have tried it. The meals are Really, really good, apparently. Don't wait for disaster to strike before taking action. Invest in your safety and well-being by securing that food storage today. Go to preparewithben.com. Save 200 bucks on each kit your family actually needs. Go to preparewithben.com right now. That is preparewithben.com. It's just a smart thing to be ready in case of emergency. Preparewithben.com to make it happen. It's not going to cost you a fortune. Go check them out. Preparewithben.com. Save 200 bucks on each kit that your family needs today. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values. And that when people say free, they should mean, you know, actually free. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you will get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last, rugged screen, quick charging battery, top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family will save almost $1,000 a year. So... I challenge you to choose a company that actually shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk for years at this point. I tell you that coverage is excellent. I trust them. You can too. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company today. puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so you heard the head of the PGA Tour talking about the moral evil of golfers taking the money from Live Golf. But now it turns out that the PGA Tour is taking the money directly from Live Golf. Apparently, again, Texas Republican Congressman Chip Roy, who championed the PGA Tour's fight, he said, I wonder if the PGA Tour, having wrapped itself in the flag, invited 9-11 families to the big announcement. I guess not, because money was worth more than principal, apparently. That, that obviously is true. Here's the PGA Tour commissioner you heard one moment ago talking about the moral qualms he had about people joining Live Tour being like, well, but they do have a lot of money. You're describing a scenario under which PIF at some point could have the majority of the economics, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, of okay. this entity. Essentially, the Saudis sort of people will say, oh, they control golf around the world. I'm just curious as to what you think the response is going to be. Well, listen, a lot of people have been reading about the tension. Um, and that we've talked a lot. Um, and I said previously that we were going down our path, they were going down theirs. And today, that tension goes away. The litigation has dropped. We're announcing to the world that on behalf of this game, we're coming together. And it's, it's less about how people respond today, and it's all about how people respond in 10 years. And when they see the impact that we're having on this game together, there will be a lot of smiles on people's faces and there'll be a lot more people playing this game all over the world. Well, that is awkward. That is awkward. So you basically ripped your potential business partners as terrorist supporters and then you made a deal with them and you expect that nobody is going to notice. Connecticut Democratic Senator Chris Murphy said in an interview that Monaghan had actually urged him and other lawmakers to scrutinize the national security implications of the Saudi project. Quote, they came to my office and told me it would be a moral outrage for Saudi Arabia to have an ownership stake in a major American sport. The announcement speaks for itself as to what really matters. Okay, now this has something to say not just about corporate priorities, but about American priorities 
more generally. Okay, the, the corporate priorities are pretty obvious. And there are a lot of people who say, well, why, why are corporations going and doing business in China? They should just stop doing business in China. Just stop, just make, stop making product in China. China's an evil dictatorship. Or we should stop doing business with the Saudis. And the answer is that if you're a corporation, you go where it is cheapest and most productive to produce the product. If there are national security problems, it is up to the government of the United States to prevent investment in places like China or places like Saudi Arabia. But the reality is the U.S. government also wants it both ways. They want to be able to morally posture and then at the same time, pretend that they're not morally posturing when they go and sign a deal with the Saudis. Right? It's the same thing that basically the PGA Tour just did the same thing Joe Biden did. Right? Joe Biden back in 2020 was like, Saudi Arabia is a, a horrible, evil, terrible, no good, very bad place filled with murderers and scum. And then 2021 comes and the midterms are coming and he's like, well, you know, we could use some oil from you guys. And Saudi's like, screw you. It turns out that power matters an awful lot when it comes to politics and when it comes to corporate money. Morality generally takes a backseat to the money. Now, when the two can be aligned or when you can get away with shoving, shoving your morality into the guys of power in politics, then you do it. But when the two come into conflict, everybody just goes weapons down, which is pretty amazing. And here's John Kirby yesterday being asked about the merger between Live Golf and the PGA Tour. Now, back in 2020, Joe Biden would have had some word about this. Now, apparently, the administration's like, well... Who cares? Whatever. Does the Biden administration have any concern with a major U.S. sports league getting into business with the Saudi public investment fund? Uh, I think we'll, we'll let uh, we'll let the Saudi government speak to that. So um, he's just going to leave that one out there on the table. Okay, the lesson for all of us, the big takeaway for all of us is that you should follow the money and you should follow the power. And when people start to morally preen and posture, you should ask them a very simple question. If the mathematics changed, if the money changed, if the interests changed, would you still hold by that? And if the answer is you wouldn't, then we know where your actual priorities lie. We know where the priorities lie for the United States government when it comes to a lot of conflicts around the world. And that's, as long as it supports American interests in a real hard-headed way, that's okay. We can all live with that. That's realism. It's when you start to do things that are not in America's interest and you preen morally. And then we know that if the interests shift, you will shift, then we start to have some serious questions. The same thing about corporate America. Like, don't woke scold everybody about how you are very much in favor of all these social liberal causes of the day. And then the minute somebody comes at you with money, the pride progress flag goes down and the Chinese flag goes up if you're Nike. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let's talk about the fact that men... We really don't like going to the doctor. You have to make the appointment, spend half your day sitting around the waiting room. Sometimes you have to endure uncomfortable conversations about your body with another person you hardly know. Rex MD is FDA approved. It's the most trusted leader in men's telehealth. It is fast, simple, and cheap. You can access your U.S. licensed Rex MD physician anytime you need afterward. Rex MD makes it easy and affordable to get generic and branded Viagra or Cialis online. No waiting rooms, no embarrassing trips to the doctor, no insurance, no copays. Did you know that Viagra can actually cost 90 bucks a pill? Well, RexMD has generic Viagra for as low as $2 a pill. Just fill out their online medical questionnaire. A doctor will then review your situation and, if appropriate, prescribe you medication. Your medication will ship right to your door with free two-day shipping. It is fast, simple, and cheap. Plus, you can access your U.S.-licensed RexMD physician anytime you need afterward. RexMD has already helped over 300,000 guys gain confidence quickly and conveniently, and they are here to help you as well. Take advantage of their best offer yet at RexMD.com slash Ben. Save up to 90% off by paying only $2 per dosage. That's rexmd.com slash Ben for up to 90% off. Rexmd.com for more details and safety information. Okay, so speaking of corporate corruption and where their priorities lie, take a look at Nike. So Nike does massive business in China, of course. They've been doing massive business in China for, for decades. And this means 
that the same people who are promoting Colin Kaepernick kneeling for the American flag are perfectly happy to kneel before the Chinese flag. And the same people who are not going to be promoting pride progress over in Shanghai are certainly going to be promoting it here in the United States. So basically what they do is they make their money by working with authoritarian regimes and then they cram down their social liberal agenda at home, which is the worst form of moral perversion. You're willing to kowtow to the world's worst people in order so that you can tell decent Americans that they're wrong about traditional morality. That's essentially the Nike business model at this point, and it is super insulting. The latest iteration of this is Daily Wire has now been leaked, an email from inside Nike, and it shows that the company will host a talk with a child sex change surgeon to celebrate Pride Month. Nike will also host a drag story time along with other, other Pride events. According to this email, quote, team, this summer, the Nike United Pride Network has the honor of once again spotlighting and celebrating the past, present, and future of our global LGBTQIA community. We're thrilled to have a phenomenal lineup of events and activities this June and July. This year's theme is Together We Are Undeniable. Unless you're in China. If you're in China, it's totally deniable, as it turns out. The LGBTQIA plus minus divided by sign community continues to fight for equality, their fight to be themselves and to force you to comply. Together, we are undeniable centers around determination, celebrating icons of the community. So this is very exciting stuff here from uh, Nike. And again, it is going to feature Dr. Blair Peters of the Oregon Health and Science University for a July 11th panel discussion. Peters has publicly admitted to performing irreversible sex change surgery, gender affirming top surgery in the common parlance on adolescent girls. Solid stuff right here. Also, they will be hosting a family-friendly drag story hour on July 13th. According to Nike, quote, you will have an opportunity to cultivate an undeniable sense of community. Undeniable. If you deny it, well, you're violating the rules. It's undeniable. And belonging with your Nike teammates through activations like a family-friendly drag story time. So here's a clip of this doctor that Nike is bringing in to talk to its staff about the magic of gender transition. It was over time as I started engaging more and more with the queer, trans, and gender diverse population that I really felt comfortable and started encountering people that looked like and felt like I felt and learned the language that they used and then really found the labels that I apply to myself, which are queer, gender diverse, and that's where I live. I'm Blair Peters. I use he, they pronouns. I'm a plastic and reconstructive surgeon at OHSU, and I specialize in gender affirming and peripheral nerve surgery. I describe gender affirming surgery as using surgery to help someone physically actualize their internal sense of self. So I view surgery as yeah. Your doctor walks into the room uh, with this color hair and those glasses, and you run screaming from the room. Comfortable in their own body. That is what you You should do. When someone sees their vulva for the first time, and you can see that you've just lifted this huge burden off of them completely. So glad Nike could push this sort of stuff. Nike, which started as a running shoe company in Portland, Oregon, like rural Portland, Oregon. And this is how far they have come. Not in China, not in Saudi, not in the places where they actually, you know, manufacture their stuff, but the propaganda is to their own staff. So again, these are the rules of corporate America. Corporate America making deals with the Saudis, making deals with the Chinese, making deals with, with some of the worst people on earth all over the world for cash. But then they lecture you about your morality. They lecture you about why you are a bad person if you do not agree with the pride progress agenda. That's, that's the goal. And then they leverage all of those corporate dollars to back politicians. And those politicians then push that radical agenda. Again, using dollars that are largely made overseas from authoritarian regimes where all this stuff is illegal in the first place. It's truly insulting. It's truly insulting. And the backlash is just beginning. The backlash has already begun, in fact. 
because it turns out that the American people don't have to sit there and take it. If, as I say, people are happy to promote their left-wing morality so long as it doesn't ding their bottom line too severely, if you ding their bottom line severely, people back off of it. This is why the Wall Street Journal has an entire piece titled Companies That Embrace Social Issues Have Second Thoughts. Well, good. Well, good. Keep going, guys. Keep going. The folks who listen to this program who decide not to buy Bud Light, keep going with that. The people who decided that this month they're not going to shop at Target because Target is selling bathing suits for tucking your penis behind you so that you look more like a girl. And they're going to do this for young people. And you decided, okay, well, I'm just going to shop at Walmart instead this, this month. Good for you. Keep it up. According to the Wall Street Journal, in May, clothing company The North Face released a video for Pride Month featuring drag performer Patagonia. The ad was similar to the one the performer had appeared in for the out outdoor apparel maker a year earlier. The reaction was not. Within hours, calls for a boycott of the company spread on social media. North Face wants to be the next Bud Light, one user wrote. Aren't you supposed to learn from others' mistakes? Another user said. CEOs spent the past few years adjusting to a world in which investors, customers, and employees expected corporate leaders to align themselves with social causes. Well, I mean... I love that sentence because the answer is that a small cadre of investors, customers, and employees expected corporate leaders to mirror their politics. But today, that has made the company's targets in the U.S. culture wars. Well, no. The answer is you guys were the offenders in the culture wars, and then people decided they'd had enough. They were tired of being crammed down. They were tired of being told to sit there and shut up if they don't agree with the left-wing agenda. Some CEOs are rethinking how or whether to weigh in on sensitive political or social matters with trans and other LGBTQ issues, particularly in the spotlight. At PPG Industries, a Pittsburgh maker of glidden paint, coatings, and other products, Chief Executive Tim Navish asked senior leaders at the company earlier this year to review its processes for engaging on polarizing topics. Navish said he wanted the company to have a robust plan should it need to respond. PPG uses an internal scoring system to determine if and when it makes sense for the company to comment on matters that may offend some of its customers and employees or affect its brands. If executives decide to comment, they discuss how best to communicate. We run a business, we don't run a political organization, said Navish. We have to take all of this into account. Executives are finding out how easy it is to leave everyone unhappy. Well, no, actually, the way that you leave everybody unhappy is by sounding off. If you shut your face and you just give us the product that we want to buy, it turns out that nobody's really all that unhappy. There will be some activists who bitch and moan, but everybody else will be just fine. That is what happened when you flex your power in the marketplace. It's also, by the way, what's happening across America as people begin to stand up to the predations of the woke mind virus and it's radical and it's radical norm changing. There's an unbelievable video that has now emerged out of Glendale, California. Armenian parents. So Glendale is a pretty conservative area or more conservative than most of California because it's heavily Armenian. Armenians tend to be much more traditional. They're very culturally in tune with, with their community. And because of all of that, they were not willing to humor a school board pushing the LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign curriculum. And chaos broke out when Antifa showed up to make trouble with people protesting. Several hundred protesters gathered, many waving the American flags. And on the other side, LGBTQ plus pride flags outside the scheduled GUSD board meeting. The opposing sides represented parents who oppose GUSD policies in support of the LGBTQ plus minus classroom curriculum. Both sides took to social media to rally their supporters. By the way, you can tell who's flying which flag in these particular tapes. Antifa showed up and they started a fight with members of the Armenian community. Again, this is an ethnic minority community that is very, very prevalent in Glendale. They're wonderful people. I know them very well. I used to work in Glendale. And um, here's some of the video. Oh, 
You can see these uh, Armenian protesters, and they're being polite with the cops. And then Antifa is going to uh, show up and, uh, and start making trouble because this is, in fact, what they do. Here's Antifa. They're starting to get violent with people. The Armenians are having none of it. As well, they should not. Again, all the police have to break it up. <laughs> By the way, Antifa's going to lose this battle. Right? Seriously, like Antifa versus the Armenians. I take the Armenians and the points every time, man. That is, that is, that is not even a question. Love the Armenians. They're awesome. Several parents told Glendale's board they were concerned with Glendale's trans policies, such as allowing students of the opposite sex to use the same bathrooms and locker rooms, putting their kids at risk. One father told the board, quote, I graduated from Glendale in 96, according to the Daily Signal. I have two daughters. My daughter's afraid to change in the locker room because she knows another guy could come into the room. When I asked the principal, he told me there were no cross-gender bathroom policies. Other parents previously had told the Daily Signal their children changed in locker rooms with students of the opposite sex multiple times, and this is now standard practice in Glendale. So, you know, good for, good for me. By the way, this is going to be part of, of the, the future of the country is that essentially what you have is a cadre of upper-class white liberals who have a particular set of morals that do not, do not match the morals of particularly ethnic minorities in the United States. And the, black, the backlash is going to be very, very strong. The weird brand of, of anti-heteronormativity that's now being promoted in the West is being promoted by a very elite group of people. And the vast majority of people are not into it. They may be tolerant of people who decide on these fringe practices or alternative lifestyles, but you know what they're not into? That becoming the norm. And you know where that is particularly prevalent? In exactly the diverse communities the left pretends that it represents. Armenians are just one example of that. But overall, millennials are now moving to the right. Gen Z males are moving to the right. That is in pure reaction to the radical social agenda that's being promoted by the left. Over at the New York Times, even Nate Cohn is noting it. He says millennials are not an exception. They have moved to the right. Since 15 years ago, a new generation of young voters propelled Barack Obama to a decisive victory that augured a new era of democratic dominance. 15 years later, those once young voters aren't so young and they aren't quite so democratic. In the 2020 presidential elections, voters who were 18 to 29 in 2008 backed Biden 55 to 43. The exit polls showed even closer with Biden winning by just 51 to 45 among voters who were 18 to 27 in 2008. That group voted radically large numbers for Barack Obama. This shift to the right among young voters who propelled Obama to victory 15 years ago is part of a larger pattern, says Nate Cohen. Over the last decade, almost every cohort of voters under 50 has shifted toward the right based on analysis of thousands of survey interviews conducted at the Roper Center. Again, the millennials of 2008 are not the same as those of 2016. And it is also worthwhile noting that these are cohorts, as we talk about younger cohorts, that are more minority-based. These are less white cohorts, and they're becoming more right-wing because the morality that's being promulgated by the folks at Discovery Plus is not mirrored by the rest of the country. I mentioned Discovery Plus here because Discovery Plus during Pride Month has decided to run entire pieces about how Abraham Lincoln was now a gay man. He was a sparkly queer fellow, according to Discovery Plus. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, with so much of our world digitized or automated, why would you stick to old school mailing and shipping? If you mail or ship often, let stamps.com do the hard part for you. You can simply print postage and shipping labels direct from your home or office. It's ready to go in just minutes. No long lines, no complicated setup required. Postage rates just increased again. Luckily, stamps.com has the best discounts in the industry. They have amazing partnerships with USPS and UPS for unbeatable rates. You can get up to 84% off. Plus, stamps.com automatically tells you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. For 25 years, stamps.com has been indispensable for over a million businesses, including 
we here at Daily Wire. We have been using Stamps.com since 2017. We don't waste time. We don't waste money at this company. Set your business up for success by getting started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Shapiro for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and free digital scale. No long-term commitments required. Go check them right now at Stamps.com. Click the microphone at the top of the page. Enter code Shapiro. Start saving time. Start saving money. Why schlep your stuff down to the post office when you just do it right at the office or from your home? Stamps.com. Click that mic at the top of the page. Enter code Shapiro to get started. Also, if you're looking for something interesting to watch, check out our series, What We Saw, hosted by storyteller Bill Whittle. Season one focused on Apollo 11. Season two of What We Saw is now in full swing. In episode 13, President Nixon's visit to China introduces a three-power dynamic, but Watergate undermines his administration and diminishes American morale. Meanwhile, the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan further exposes American weakness. In this context, an older president brings renewed optimism, youthful vigor, and a plan to end the Cold War and achieve victory after four decades of stalemate. Of course, that would be Ronald Reagan. Bill makes you feel like you're there witnessing history. Hear the amazing story in this week's episode of Cold War. All episodes of Cold War are now available to stream. You have to be a Daily Wire Plus member to see it. Go to dailywire.com slash cold war to start watching. So again, what what we are seeing in the United States right now is a battle between a small cadre of left-wing radical activists, largely white, and the rest of the population. And that includes a heavy dose of minority populations. I mean, but one of the ways you can see this, by the way, is by the fact that uh, Pete Buttigieg has no ratings whatsoever among non-upper-class white liberals. If you're not an upper-class white liberal, you do not care about Pete Buttigieg. You are uninterested in Pete Buttigieg, mainly because he's pushing radical positions. Pete Buttigieg, the secretary of transportation, is considered, again, by like the seven upper-class white liberals to be the guy, even though he's really botched it over at the transportation department after taking a two-month paternity leave which made no sense. My, my paternity leave, by the way, for my fourth child was, I believe, 24 hours, one day. And I have four kids and my wife is a woman who actually gave birth from her body. So there was that. Anyway, Pete Buttigieg, um, he, um, he says that politicians are targeting the LGBTQ community to distract from radical positions. The actual reverse is the truth, that the left-wing politicians are talking about every other issue and pretending those issues are important to distract from their actual radical policy positions on things like LGBTQ+. Now you see the attacks on the LGBTQ community, especially on the trans community and what they are going through. And, uh, you know, I think it's being done out of uh, a perception that it is politically convenient to target vulnerable groups. And and honestly, I think where it largely comes from is uh, folks who don't want to talk about why they were against the infrastructure law that's building the roads and bridges. They don't want to talk about why they were against $35 insulin that the the president delivered for uh, Medicare uh, recipients. They don't want to explain why they uh, were, were for these radical positions that speak to what most people are worried about in their everyday lives. Yeah, you're right. The radical positions are debates over the debt ceiling. The radical position is not that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. Those are the, 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 the radical position is that you think that taxes should be slightly lower and we shouldn't spend so much money. <laughs> right. Nailed it. Again, it's an elite cadre of people in the media who are pushing this sort of stuff as well, which presumably is why Discovery Plus is now pushing the lie that Abraham Lincoln was gay. They literally push this on Discovery Plus. It's, it's just nonsense. It's garbage. It's not true. Y'all have probably heard about this guy, Abraham Lincoln the 16th president of the United States. He won the Civil War and landed his mug on the $5 bill, all while being a total bearded daddy. Mercy. Lincoln was famous for having a way with words. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. And but he, he yeah, he's talking really faith fashion. Hot young men. 
Yes, darling. Your this is history so vile. book has censored Lincoln's love life for far too long. Truth is, Lincoln had at least four this intimate is so... and maybe even sexual relationships with men. We like to call them Lincoln's wow. four scores. Discovery Plus, guys. Um, that is a that that's a lie. That's just a lie. I mean, historians have repeatedly debunked this crap. It does not matter. They're pushing it anyway. They're pushing this on you, and they're pushing this on your kids, and they're pushing this on everybody. And it turns out that there is, in fact, a backlash. This, and by the way, they don't even believe this. The minute you think Discovery Plus is broadcasting this in China or in Saudi, of course they're not. Of course they're not. It's. And then you wonder why the reaction is happening. That's why the reaction is happening, guys. That would be why the reaction is happening. Meanwhile, the the militant LGBTQ plus movement has decided that um, federal judgeships can be used to their advantage. So over in Florida, a federal judge has now temporarily blocked a Florida ban on puberty blockers for minors. His name is Judge Robert Hinkle, and he issued a preliminary injunction against Senate Bill 254, which criminalizes permanently mutilating surgical procedures on children and mandates that a healthcare practitioner's license be terminated if they violate the law. Hinkle wrote in his 44-page ruling, quote, the elephant in the room should be noted at the outset. Gender identity is real. The record makes this clear. Oh, so he's, oh, he's an authoritative. The science says, the law says, despite the defense admissions, there are those who believe that cisgender individuals properly adhere to their natal sex and that transgender individuals have inappropriately chosen a contrary gender identity, male or female, just as one might choose to read Shakespeare or Grisham, Hinkle continued. He says, gender identity is so real. It's the realest of the real things. It's so real that he can strike down a popularly approved law in the state of Florida that prevents physicians from mutilating kids. The plaintiff's adolescent children will suffer, will suffer irreparable harm if they do not promptly begin treatments with gender-affirming health care. The treatments will affect patients themselves. Nobody else will cause the defendants no harm, says Hinkle. Now, again, this is not the first time this particular judge has decided to go to war with, uh, with the rest of the state and also basic logic. He was a nominee of Bill Clinton. And uh, this comes after, in August of 2020, he attempted to reinstate a George Soros-funded prosecutor who had been fired by Ron DeSantis. This is also the, the same judge who uh, dismantled portions of Florida's felon voting law, suggesting that felons had to vote. He argued that nearly 775,000 felons with outstanding legal and financial obligations were, had to vote. They, they, they had a right to vote. So he's a far left insane judge who, who did this. Again, this is, it is a revolution from above. This is not a revolution from below. And people notice it. And that's why the backlash is going to be so harmful to the left if they continue along these lines. Now, the revolution from above, as we've said, relies on the media. Major changes are happening in the world of media. CNN cannot find its way. CNN is in serious, serious trouble. Big news in media landscape today is that Chris Licht is out. He was there for five seconds ago. So he, he, was, he was tapped to run the network by David Zaslav like 16 months ago. Licht had a reputation as a wunderkind producer, according to Puck News, who could work with elite talent. And he was aligned with John Malone's rich older guy, Big Sky Vision, of recalibrating the network's politics to its centrist origins. But Lick's CV consisted of programming a few hours of morning or late night talk, talk, talk TV with two or three principals, not managing the entirety of the CNN network. So after the Trump town hall, and the decimation of staff morale, Licht is now going to be vacating that CEO position. Warner Brothers Discovery is going to announce that Licht will be stepping away. He's going to be replaced for the interim period by apparently a person named Amy Entelis. 
Amy Entelis is, of course, yet another member of the far left. She is um, a producer on a wide variety of far left shows. She launched the whole story with Anderson Cooper, for example. She's credited with building the CNN original series brand. So presumably they're going to try to steer back to the left, but it doesn't matter. CNN is toast. CNN is toast because largely cable news is in serious trouble. And cable news is in serious trouble because younger and younger people don't even watch cable news, which is why the numbers from Tucker Carlson on Twitter are, are so astounding. So Tucker Carlson, in the other big media in the news of the day, he, uh, he brought back his, a version of his show on Twitter, calling it Tucker on Twitter. It's like a 10-minute monologue, uh, filmed direct to camera, one shot, in which he talked about the topics of the day. Here's what Tucker sounded like yesterday. The number of views is pretty insane. Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. This morning, it looks like somebody blew up the Kokovka Dam in southern Ukraine. The rushing wall of water wiped out entire villages, destroyed a critical hydropower plant, and as of tonight, puts the largest nuclear reactor in Europe in danger of melting down. So if this was intentional, it was not a military tactic. It was an act of terrorism. Well, Tucker is back and the numbers are huge. The numbers are very large. 64.8 million views as of earlier this morning. So th those, are, those are big numbers. Now, again, it's hard to measure exactly what these views look like. We've been you know, trying to figure it out with what is a woman as well. A view on Twitter video, very often within 14, 15 seconds, people have tuned out. But it also happens to be the case that a lot of people will tune out of network news on a nightly basis. So those are very, very large numbers for Tucker. And I would assume that as cable news continues to struggle with finding new audiences, people like Tucker are going to continue to do very well in the online space. Part of that, obviously, is also the, the botchery of the media. Again, the media are the promulgators of the great myths among us. They lie on a routine basis. And so that means that alternative voices are having those voices heard. It's why the numbers for this show are so large. It's why Joe Rogan's numbers are so large. It's why Tucker's numbers are so large. Now, the positing of alternative sources of information is going to be the wave of the future. And that's why, by the way, again, thanks to Elon Musk, Twitter is a free place to be. And we need more of that in social media. And meanwhile, in the presidential race, we are seeing some movement in the polls. There's a brand new poll out from Iowa. Now, remember, all of the national polling is going to favor Donald Trump for the foreseeable future, because, of course, Donald Trump is the most famous person in the race. He is the ex-president of the United States and maybe the most famous person on planet Earth at this point. However, the state level polls are going to be the, the polls that actually tell the tale. And so I'm looking right now at the latest polls from Iowa. And what you see is that in Iowa, the gap is now being closed pretty significantly by DeSantis. So there is a, a breaking poll out of Iowa that shows DeSantis closing the gap by 14 percentage points. A new Never Back Down Pack survey shared with Axios has DeSantis closing the gap. In mid-May, before DeSantis officially announced, he earned a 24% number in Iowa compared to Trump's 48%, that's 24-point gap. A few weeks later, after launching his campaign May 24th, the Florida governor is up to 29% among likely Iowa caucus goers against Trump's 39%. And that's after being in the race for like five minutes. That is a pretty significant closing gap right there. There is a poll out of Virginia, and that, that poll also shows Trump up, but he's up 48-28. Meanwhile, you have Pence earning seven, Haley earning seven. You know, the, 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 there, there are a bunch of other candidates in that race. When it comes down to a two-person race, this looks very, very competitive suddenly. So sort of fascinating to watch as the, as the race starts to close up just a little bit. Would not be surprised if it closes significantly further because, again, we're very in the, in the very early days. Meanwhile, Chris Christie is out there being very aggressive with Trump, which will last precisely as long as Chris Christie thinks that Trump will not pick him for a running mate. 
And Trump himself is very happy with Christie being in the race. He basically said, good luck, Chris. It's very, it, the thing about Trump that, that everybody loves, and I admit, I enjoy it as well, is that Trump is entirely transparent. It's not like he's hiding the ball. He is openly rooting for candidates who are not DeSantis. Tim Scott enters. He's like, congratulations to Tim and welcome to the race. Chris Christie enters and he's like, Chris Christie will eat Ron DeSantis' lunch. That's literally what he put out. He put out a truth social saying that Christie is going to eat Ron DeSantis' lunch. Left unspoken is the fact that Chris Christie will eat everyone's lunch. In fact, any lunch anywhere is subject to the, uh, the gravitational pull of Chris Christie. Christie is going hard at Trump right now, but Trump doesn't care because he knows that he can't do him any damage. After all, Trump is the person who is bossing Chris Christie around and telling him to get back on the plane five minutes ago. Meanwhile, the CNN anchors are going after Ron DeSantis with alacrity. What, what is their latest bombshell report? Their latest bombshell report is that apparently Ron DeSantis once had dinner with Clarence Thomas. I know, shocking news from CNN. Here is a little bit of their report. Because I do think he is our greatest living justice. Thank you. And after that speech, DeSantis, Thomas, and Leo all went out to dinner. CNN senior Supreme Court analyst Joan Biskupic, Joan Biskupic has much more on this. I'm sorry, Joan. What do you what do you see no in this, Joan? Yeah. Uh, morning, Kate. Didn't you like that big bear hug at the end there? Uh, that event was you know, part of the roots of this very tight relationship between Ron DeSantis, Leonard Leo and Clarence Thomas all have many things in common and they all focus on the judiciary. And Ron DeSantis now as a candidate is taking a page from the Donald Trump playbook and running on the Supreme Court. And he's doing it in part by holding up Clarence Thomas as a model. Oh, wow. That's shocking news there from CNN. You mean Republicans like Clarence Thomas? Wow. In other news, Rosie O'Donnell, not straight. Breaking news, guys. I know it's shocking. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like today. There are a lot of people out there who are very alarmist about AI. I've talked about what I think the threats to AI could be, you know, where the jobs of the future are going to be. But a person who's really thought this through in a deep and, and profound way is Mark Andreessen. He has a phenomenal piece over at his Substack, that is totally worth reading. He is uh, the co-author of Mosaic, which was the first widely used web browser. And he was the co-founder of Netscape. And now he runs a, cap a venture capital firm called Andreessen Horowitz. And he goes through why he thinks AI will save the world. It's, it's a tech optimist piece. And it's a very convincing piece about the upsides of AI. What he says, essentially, is that AI augmentation of human intelligence has already started, which will be a good thing because we'll be able to do more things. He says, AI offers us the opportunity to profoundly augment human intelligence to make all of these outcomes of intelligence and many others, from the creation of new medicines to ways to solve climate change, technologies to reach the stars, much, much better from here. The, the point that Andreessen makes is that, you know, very often people think of AI like it's a machine, we're a machine, so it's a machine that's better than we are, so we lose. And the point Andreessen makes is we don't fully understand what makes people human or not human. He, he, he suggests that very often the ways that we define what it means to be a human could equally apply to simple machines. Goal-directed, adjusting to the environment, unhappy when goal is not reached, and then attempting to find that goal. And as Mark has said, that, re that refers to a thermostat, right? It's, it's attempting to find 72 degrees, and it's unhappy when it doesn't have that goal. It has a feedback mechanism to attempt to achieve that goal. Is that what, how the human brain works? Is that, is that what it is to be human? Obviously not. So there's something that we can't explain about being human that makes us different from AI. And AI is just a really, really good machine. 
He says, in our new era of AI, every child will have an AI tutor that is infinitely patient, infinitely compassionate, infinitely knowledgeable, and infinitely helpful. The AI tutor will be by each child's side every step of their development, helping them maximize their potential. Every person will have an AI assistant, coach, mentor, trainer, advisor, or therapist, infinitely patient, infinitely compassionate, infinitely knowledgeable, and infinitely helpful. Every scientist will have an AI assistant. Every leader of the people will have the same. Productivity growth throughout the economy will accelerate dramatically, driving economic growth, creation of new industries, creation of new jobs, and wage growth. And this is sort of the point. He says that that there are a lot of people who are panicking right now. He says those kind of break down into two categories. There are the people who are true believers that AI is going to ruin everything. And they're alarmist about it. And then there are what he calls bootleggers, self-interested opportunists who who stand to financially profit by the imposition of new restrictions, regulations, and laws that insulate them from competitors. So presumably that would be big corporations that are involving themselves in AI regulation right now to kill all of their competition off. And then he talks about the various risks. He says, will AI kill us all? He says that um, this is absurd. He says, my, my view is that the idea that AI will decide to literally kill humanity is a profound category error. AI is not a living being that has been primed by billions of years of evolution to participate in the battle for the survival of the fittest as animals are and as we are. It is math built by people, owned by people, used by people and controlled by people. In short, AI does not want, it does not have goals. It, it, it does not want to kill you because it is not alive. It's not going to come alive and kill you any more than your toaster will. Now, there are people who can use AI to do bad things for sure. But the idea that it's just going to become self-aware and then kill all of humanity is nonsense. The second question that he takes on is, will AI ruin our society? He says, no. He says, it's not going to be AI generating hate speech and misinformation. That's the problem. It's going to be people who attempt to censor other people who are the problem, which of course is true. The third risk, which is the one that people are concerned about, like Andrew Yang, who is pushing universal basic income, is that AI is going to take all of our jobs. He says, this is mistaken. He says, we have technology that is going to advance humanity. He says, AI, if allowed to develop and proliferate throughout the economy, may cause the most dramatic and sustained economic boom of all time with correspondingly record job and wage growth, the exact opposite of the fear. Here's why. The core mistake the automation kills jobs doomers keep making is called the lump of labor fallacy. This fallacy is basically there's a fixed pie of labor and that if machines take more, human beings take less. But it's not true. When technology is applied to production, we get productivity growth, an increase in output generated by a reduction in inputs. A human using a computer is way more productive than a human not using a computer. The result is lower prices for goods and services. As the prices for goods and services fall, we pay less for them, meaning we now have extra spending power with which to buy other things, which increases demand in the economy. And then people invest that money and they produce new things. The result is a larger economy with higher material prosperity, more industries, more products, and more jobs. You also get higher wages because at the level of the individual worker, the marketplace sets compensation as a function of the marginal productivity of the worker. A worker in a tech-infused business will be more productive than a worker in a non-tech-infused business. This is why if you are working in an air-conditioned office, there's a good shot that you're making more money than a person who is working like basic agriculture somewhere. The employer will either pay that worker more money because he's now more productive, or another employer will. Technology introduced into an industry generally increases the number of jobs and also raises, raises wages. As far as technology that replaces literally all human labor, which is what people are worried about, which would mean literally all existing human labor being replaced by machines. That would mean a takeoff rate of economic productivity growth that would be absolutely stratospheric beyond any historical precedent. Prices of existing goods and services would drop across the board to virtually zero. Consumer welfare would skyrocket. Consumer spending power would skyrocket. New demand in the economy would explode, which would mean that human beings would create new stuff. And if AI replaces that labor, then the cycle would repeat. So I think it's a very convincing piece by Mark Andreessen. You should you should go check it out right now over at his Substack. It is definitely worth the read. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate. 
Okay, so everybody's going nuts over this report about UFOs. Uh, bleh. My, my reaction is meh. According to the UK Guardian, the US has been urged to disclose evidence of UFOs after a whistleblower former intelligence official said the government has possession of intact and partially intact alien vehicles. The former intelligence officer named David Grush, he led analysis of unexplained anomalous phenomenon within a US Department of Defense agency, and he has alleged the US has graft of non-human origin illegally being withheld from Congress. So we now have a single source who left the government in April after a 14-year career in US intelligence saying that um, there are aliens out there and we have control over their spacecraft. Jonathan Gray, current U.S. intelligence official at NASA, confirmed the existence of exotic materials to the debrief, adding, we are not alone. Um, I, color me doubtful. Color me doubtful. Mainly because I don't tend to believe that secrets stay secrets in the U.S. government. Everybody is very leaky over there. And do you really believe that, here's a real question. Do you believe that intelligent alien life, which is presumably what we're talking about, flew millions of light years to arrive here on planet Earth and then proceeded to like fly around until it fell down and was found by American military forces or by the U.S. government. I mean, the U.S. government can't tie its own shoelaces. I have serious competence doubts about this. So people who are like, we now have proof. It's the biggest story in the world. When you show me the spacecraft and you show me where it's from and you give me some evidence other than a dude saying it, who's now going to be very famous and being able to, to write books, um, then um, I have... Um, until you show me that, I have doubts. All right, guys, the rest of the show continues right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be joined online by presidential candidate Nikki Haley. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us.